and welcome to the next edition of the Podmore Get Better podcast. I am Will Sandstead. I'm Tony Johnson, and we are recording this on Sunday, August 5th, and uh, Will just got back from the cabin. Uh, yeah, wonderful excellent weekend. time. At most of the last whole week, what you were spent, you were there. Uh, we recorded the podcast there last week, but we're back in the Twin Cities. Uh, I'm going on vacation Saturday to the Saturday after, so we'll Ooh. figure out something. Maybe a guest appearance, or maybe we'll just record it early yeah, next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll come up with something. But, uh, so yeah, it's uh, Sunday night. We've got the new Classic Course of the Week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Exciting uh, as always. Yeah, and it's uh, one of my favorites. Spoiler. No, no spoiler. Uh, tease. That's what that's called. Tease. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're going to start off with some news of the week, of which there was not a lot. Yeah, we uh, we just wrapped up the conclusion. We we're actually uh, we're here at the Foxhole Banger Bunker, whatever you want to call it, in Burnsville, Minnesota, and we were actually streaming via Golden TTV and Richard King. Uh, great stream, a lot of different commentators, and we had Andy Andy Haas come out victorious again. Uh, kind of getting back in the saddle, he'd had kind of some lulls in his tournament performance lately. Unfortunately, uh, both him and Mark McClevich, who happened to be king of the hill, Mark finished second, Haas finished first. Uh, Stenmark finished third, and at Worlds, both Haas and Mouth uh, made the gold bracket, which is a good thing, but unfortunately both went 0-2. Yep, so uh, this indie tournament is an interesting one. It's it's, uh, it's not a PEGT Tour event. Uh, it's put on by uh, Game Time Amusements. With Jason Kendrick, Jason correct. Kendrick is the owner, and that's out of Indianapolis. Uh, and they have some, they have a little reach. They have some machines in the Chicago area and, you know, Indianapolis, Indiana area. Uh, but they do a little bit differently. There's they they have a gold and what they call an amateur bracket or a pro and amateur, I guess is what Correct. they call it. And it's not based on your qualifier scores. You're put in that bracket immediately, and so everybody from the get go knows what bracket they're in. And I don't know how many people were in the pro bracket, but I know it was only a 16 man bracket. And I, I don't know how many people were in the amateur bracket either. Uh, but uh, what you have is instead of a one game winner take all you've got a best of three, or in the case of some of the matches, best of five, yeah, uh, which is a lot more interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it, less, less chance for, you know, that's why the cream rises at the top in this tournament, I think. Yeah, it, it was fun watching the stream put on by Golden Tea TV and uh, listening to the commentators. They had a good assortment of commentators this weekend. Shout out Chad Shrump. That was a great job. Yeah, that, that was great hearing your voice. Uh, I loved hearing about um, the sweaty track ball that you and Gervais played on. Uh, like someone had just come from uh, Planet Fitness. Uh, yeah. That had me laughing. I'm, I'm uh, canceling my Planet Fitness membership and uh, never traveling to one near Indianapolis again. But it was great to hear everyone's voice on there. Uh, some very good insight for a lot of uh, intermediate players, uh, beginning players. And, and to Tony's point, having a, as opposed to having one one and done where you can choke during a match or having a mess-up match, it gives you kind of that you know, safety net where, okay, now I can win two in a row and try to work out the kinks. And, and a, as opposed to, a, a, I'll call it a quote-unquote normal tournament, the, the one that, like, Worlds or PEG Tour puts on, um, this one, the, again, we, we've set the brackets ahead of time, but the payouts are actually very very similar. So in the pro bracket, I don't know I don't know how the paybats, payouts travel all the way down, but I know that Haas won 2,500 and Mouth Correct. won 1,000. Well, the winner of the uh, the second bracket, the um, amateur, amateur bracket, yeah. I, I'm sure they hate being called amateurs, but <laughs> until they realize they can win $2,000 for first prize in the amateur, yeah, that's and second place is 800 So it's very similar. Unlike normally, if you've got your gold in your purple bracket, the payouts in the purple bracket are obviously not nearly as good as the payouts in the in the gold bracket. Yeah, that, that $2,000 uh, payout for first place in the amateur bracket is absolutely huge. They talked about that in the stream, you know, hey guys, come out to this tournament. I think the final participant count was 42. Okay. I, I think I heard that during the stream. I, I haven't pulled it up to verify total number of paid entrants or anything like that, but so so good-sized turnout. We've seen larger, we've seen smaller, but you know, you, you talk about being one of 42 guys there, 16 going to the pro bracket, well, and less than 16. It was a 16-person bracket. I don't know if it was filled or not. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how that worked, but the payouts, that, that's great. That's absolutely great. So I'm guessing game time obviously kicked in some cash for yep. that. Um, so I look for this tournament to absolutely grow, considering it's fairly central, centrally located within the United States. And getting newer players involved, I think this is going to be a great option for their first tournament in years going forward. Absolutely. Uh, also, what, uh, some stuff that happened this week uh, on the home edition side. We we had the second week of the summer swing, the uh, pre qualifier to the main event to give away a free update. Uh, this week, 
was a bit of a uh, cluster F. Yeah. Uh, so the way we talked about it last week was that it was the most total GSP. Uh, that's not that was not correct. Uh, apparently there was a I don't know if it was a miswording or a misunderstanding. But communication, it, yeah. But it was uh, actually ended up being the most GSP in any one round. Single game, single which game. Which is a really interesting way to qualify, and also led to some uh, angle shooting. We'll call it. We yeah. won't call it cheating because no, they never said you couldn't do it. Uh, some angle shooting of trying to get at maximum GSP, which would be done via getting GSP. The double pointing. Yeah, double or triple pointing in a perfect oh, world. Ooh. So you, you knock it close, then you purposely miss your putt, knock it off the green, knock it back to the fairway, get some more GSP. Uh, you could accumulate quite a bit of GSP that way. Uh, frowned upon, apparently, by uh, Kevin Lindsay said it was frowned upon by IT. I don't know that he can technically ban it because they aren't cheating per se. So it'll be interesting to see what the leaderboard looks like. We didn't get our midweek update on Friday. Kevin Lindsay was traveling to the Indy Open. Yeah, uh, shout, shout out to Kevin Lindsay. He uh, he was technically an amateur at this tourney. So even though he was even though he was at the World Championship, though not a participant, uh, Kevin Lindsay was there. So he apologized uh, a little bit, kind of sorta. Didn't Kevin Lindsay get like a top six in the tournament in the last year? Yeah, yeah. I think we heard about that for about two months afterward. <laughs> Okay, amateur Kevin Lindsay. Yeah, so so this week, uh, the, the rules weren't necessarily very concrete because I know there was discussions on Golden Tee Fan on Facebook where yeah. folks started posting scores where they were plus 33 shooting 98,000 in GSP. Number one, I don't think 98,000 is going to do it to uh, get into that top five to uh, go to the final bracket to yeah, get the lock I mean, conditions cut. And I, I don't know, it's going to be up to the players a little bit. If, if there was no double or triple pointing, I would think that the – I would guess that the top five would be right around, the the cutoff for the top five would be right around a hundred thousand, yeah. if I was guessing. Um, but with the double pointing or triple pointing, some people doing it, some people choosing not to. I I started to try it one round. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'll just yeah. try this coming week. So moving on to now this coming week, uh, we've got the the contest that I've been eyeing up, and I think a lot of the uh, the uh, more, the higher volume players in terms of prize play, I've been eyeing up, and, and that's the best 10 average score. Yes. So it's going to be a lot. I'll see you all on Rattlesnake. <laughs> Ken's, I'll see you tomorrow on Rattlesnake. Al Jazz, I'll see you tomorrow on Rattlesnake. Uh, Adam Harris, I'll see you tomorrow on Rattlesnake. Uh, so you know th- that's going to be your lowest scoring course, and so if you want to generate your best top 10, most likely it's going to be a lot of rattlesnakes. Yeah, and there are some good hole-out holes there as well. I mean, when you consider that basically Mayfield is the next closest where you look at a, a 31 par, yep. I mean, on rattlesnake, if you get the ideal setup, even potentially laying up on hole 12, you can get some sand snipers on hole 1. I mean, I mean, you, I, I consider par on rattlesnake to be 33. And there are yeah. some things that can tweak that, right? You might be, mm-hmm. able, might be able to drive 15. You might not be able to get on hole 12. But for the most part, I consider... 33 to be par yeah and and so yes Mayfield is a much easier course but if you're already dump you know quote-unquote dumping two strokes by the fact that and actually Mayfield might not even be 31 par every setup it's 30 par occasionally yeah um you're just going to see almost all the scores coming from Rattlesnake this week which is fine this is and there's it's much harder to quote-unquote angle shoot uh for this week and so uh we'll see what happens yeah this week Uh, and if I don't win this week (laughs) <laughs> and I'm screwed, or, because I, then I'm on vacation. So, so, so then you, I might I might be pulling, uh, going uh, full freight for the uh, update this year. We'll so, see. do you necessarily feel compelled to win it? Do you want oh, to be first, or you just it. want top five to get in that twenty person tourney with I the just lock want, condition cards? I just want fifth, because then I will have realized I put in. the minimum amount of effort in. <laughs> <laughs> I won't have wasted my time. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, if I do find a nice setup, I might get might get a score or two off of it. See if I can't get that first place. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's not a tie break for anything. Ultimately, you just want to get in that 20 and have your chance at the uh, free or discounted update. Yeah, well, I got I got faith in you this week. Uh, so give, give it a shot, Tony Johnson, the rest of you uh, home edition owners. This is a great week. Uh, Rattlesnake, obviously, it's a rebuild from uh, back in the Golden T4 era. So I think, uh, I think this is going to be a really fun week for the homeowners. And, and I'm excited to see the scores on this as well as how IT dictates what goes down with uh, week two with the GSP situation. And, and I'm also speaking of, you know, Rattlesnake being a rebuild of, of years gone by, the GT4 courses. Uh, I don't remember exactly when last year. I mean, we found out about the rebooted courses before the main release. They said, oh, and by the way, there's going to be some rebooted courses. I don't remember when we found out what courses they were. I feel like they teased us with it before the 
actual courses even got released. So that that could be a bit of news that's coming up in the next month or so. A bit of a slow month, I would say. They've already talked about some of the new features. Yep. Uh, they, I'm sure there's little nuggets that they'll drop over the next month, but uh, even the news that like we talked about, there's not a ton of news this week. Part of that was because Adam Kramer was on vacation. He went uh, deep sea fishing with his uh, daughter. <laughs> Uh, she had a, quite a rod and reel package, so I'm sure she was reeling in some big marlin. And then he went uh, uh, escalator exercising with his son, so that was wonderful. Airport I, exercise. I did not see that. Uh, and so uh, hopefully he'll be back next week and actually give us some real news <laughs> instead yeah. of just summer swing or not summer swing updates. Yeah, I know that Kevin Lindsay was at the Indianapolis tournament. I assume he was at the office for 40 hours this week, but probably worked for about three of those. Well, I, I assume he's counting every single hour he was in Indianapolis as work. Oh, Golden Tee related. That's a great point. Yes. That's an absolute so, great I point. Mean, yeah, I'd maybe go 50-50, right? Until you get legally drunk, maybe <laughs> you can count those hours. But then after that, which, uh, spoiler alert, I believe he's already legally drunk today. Yes, what watching the stream, yeah. When they uh, when they slammed down the mics uh, with the Andy Haas celebratory victory shots, uh, Kevin Lindsay mic drop straight yeah. on the table, boom, gone. We're doing Kevin final. Lindsay. They're shots. I'm getting them. Yeah. I'm out of here. Talk to you in a minute. <laughs> All right. So this week we've got a brand new sponsor. Ooh. The sponsors just keep rolling in. Oh, I've I've been on vacation. This is exciting I news. Know. I I he's I believe he sent the email to both of us. But maybe you just haven't checked your email. You've been on vacation. You've been at the lake. I understand. Uh, but I, I, I received the email yesterday, and I've, and, Good I, stuff. and I've processed it. You know, and I think we're excited to announce that this week's sponsor is the Richard King Travel Agency. Oh my goodness! Best in the business. I mean, if there's anyone in Golden Tee that you want to help you with your travel, it's got to be Richard King. Yeah. I, I mean, he travels more than any of us. I travel for business a little bit. That guy travels all the time. And I see it on Facebook all the time. I've seen him. I've seen the photos of him getting picked up by Porsches on the tarmac on Delta flights. Yes. Now, granted, he may have flown from Sacramento, California, to Atlanta to the hub in order to get to Seattle. Yeah, just all the way back. I mean, you're racking up frequent flyer miles, wasting your time, but Richard King Travel Agency gets it done for you. And that's the kind of customer service that you can expect from the Richard King Travel Agency. And along with that come a lot of other perks. Oh. We've got non-guaranteed luggage arrival. Oh, that's excellent. We've got uh, trip insurance, of which it won't actually do anything. Oh. You're not actually insured for anything. You can, you can pay a little bit more to feel good about being insured. So you can tell your family and friends, yep. hey, I've hey, got trip insurance insure just in case trip. anything good happens. Go. Good. Uh, you have highly, uh, you have the ability to save money with layovers. Oh. Right? There's, there's some hubs that Richard likes to travel through, and I'm sure he will send his customers through as well. LAX. I've noticed that. Salt Lake City. Yeah. Atlanta. That's a big one. Huge. And Minneapolis-St. Paul. Yeah. And, and each of these legs of travel, whether he's traveling directly to Atlanta or somewhere past Atlanta, has the opportunity for delays. Oh, you could get delayed another day? Yes. You could almost have a free mini vacation in one of these beautiful cities. Yeah. So you get you get bonus bonus nights and bonus cities, and then additionally the the big benefit that Richard King Travel Agency is going to allow for is back end travel protection. Oh goodness! And because if you're traveling somewhere, things get a little crazy. Let's say the last night of a Golden Tee tournament. Yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, then you are protected. You can stay up to two days longer than you originally anticipated. Hang out with the locals. Uh, pack up all of your luggage wow and then uh you know make some adjustments from there and and just happen to tell the person at the counter i know i was supposed to fly out 48 48 hours ago and they'll still get you on a plane now that plane might not arrive on time but they'll get you on that plane yeah once you rebook through richard king travel agency free rebooking oh huge then you've reset your clock on that one day extra of delay oh so you might get an extra day on the back end as well that, that's huge. I, I mean, who wouldn't love that? Who wouldn't want to turn a three-day trip into a seven-day adventure? Yeah. And you can do that. I, I don't even Richard have King kids. I don't have kids, but I'm, I'm starting to think I need to have kids so they can experience this. They're going to miss more school. I'm going to miss more days at work. Check. I mean, my career might be on the line, 
But you know what? Think of that time, that extra night in Tennessee. Chattanooga? Yeah, I'll I'll talk about it seven years later. Yes. As one of those vivid, vivid memories I've had. And I will for sure make sure to check in on Facebook at every single airport that I visit on that adventure. Yeah, with these guaranteed layovers, you have to get to the terminal, maybe grab a drink or two, and while you're at it, update your status. Hey, I'm with the Richard King Travel Agency. Look at this layover I got. I mean, who who wants to spend an extra 25 or $50 for a direct flight? <laughs> what, what, why not get a layover? How are you going to get miles that way? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a great way to rack up those frequent flyer miles. So when Tony talked about some of these no-fee options and the additional frequent flyer mileage you're going to rack up, Richard King Travel Agency, he, he's the best, best in the business. So again, we strongly encourage all of our listeners Make sure to use Richard King Travel Agency. Uh, additionally, you can catch some of his other work on Golden Tea TV on, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, Excellent thanks work. a lot, Richard King Travel Agency, for sponsoring this week. And I look forward to uh, future sponsorships with you. All right, so next up on this portion of the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about saving strokes. Uh, as we were watching the stream on Golden Tea TV, uh, funded by Richard King and the Richard King Travel Agency, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of talk about spinny A1s and spinny C3s. So Tony's kind of going to kind of break that down in terms of what we're looking for and how it can influence your gameplay. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard Mouth specifically talking about this on the stream, um, and I liked I liked the way he put it. I I hadn't heard someone say it exactly like Mouth had before, and so we talk about A1s and C3s, and we talk about spinny A1s and spinny C- C3s, and in general, an A1 or a C3 without the spin is more controllable. Yes. But to get maximum distance, you're going to want to do what we call a spinny A1 or a spinny C3. So we'll, they're essentially the same kind of shot. We'll just talk about the A1 specifically so I don't get my directions mixed up. <laughs> uh, so what, what you want in order to maximize your distance is a full cut toward the A. And when I say full toward A, you actually it's even past A. So you want to just barely get the club started and then almost pull it at change club. It's going to maximize how much cut you're putting on the ball. Yeah, higher up on the dial. Yeah. Yeah, so at like uh, way past, at 8 o'clock on the uh, clock face, right? Or 8.30 or 8.59 on the clock face. But so you want to maximize your cut that way. And then if you weren't spinning it and you hit it at A, you're not not necessarily maximizing your speed. And the, the way Mouth put it was, if you're hitting it straight ahead, let's say at 100 miles per hour or whatever, if you're hitting it at A, just trigonomics would say that you're not hitting, you're not getting full speed straight ahead. You're getting 70, about 70% of your full speed at straight ahead. And so in order to maximize your speed, you actually spin it toward the left in this case, because it's an A1. So you yep. get it spinning kind of in that same direction that you, you full cut it. And then you, you've imparted a lot of right to left on the trackball already. And so when you hit it forward, you maximize your, your C, or I'm sorry, your, your one, and you still get the, a lot of speed going forward. And so that's the type of shot, and, and conversely on the other side with the C3, you, that's the way to maximize your distance. So, and that's so the I, way, you know, you probably pick up an extra, you know, with a perfect A1, you'd probably pick up an extra 10 or 15 yards on your tee shot compared to just a non-spinny A1. So with the spinny going, you already have the track ball not necessarily going towards the, you know, you're pulling back to A, you're spinning it, you're hitting it at one. So with the track ball still spinning at that point, it already has slight proportional motion going yep. towards that. You just have to redirect it yeah. to get that extra and, bit of distance. And one other thing that I, I think bears uh, repeating or, or saying is, and Mouth did not touch on this, which is he compared a, a straight shot at full speed to a, a shot towards one at full speed. And I agree, trigonomically, you can't get the same. But if we if we go back in time, the way if I'm hitting a straight shot straight forward, I'm hitting it, you know, straight ahead. My fingers are pointing straight ahead, and I'm hitting it straight ahead. But if I want to maximize arm speed, I'm actually hitting it. I'm hitting my ones more sidearm. Correct. And actually, way back in the day, in the Golden T four days, we had we had what's called the hammer. Yeah, Rusty Hockenberry. Rusty Hockenberry hammer. And and since then they've put a governor on it, so they they cap out your m miles per hour at we'll we'll figure out what that number is in like a month when they release new courses. Yeah. But they've they've capped out the speed at which you can hit a trackball, even though you might hit a lot 
a lot faster than it reads. But it didn't used to be that way. And so there's always jokes about, oh, get out the, the, uh, the sanding, the, the, the sander, belt sander, the belt yeah. sander and hit a <laughs> big one, which actually kind of sort of worked back in the day. Um, Ooh, that's but, news to me. <laughs> but point being is if, if I wanted to hit a straight ahead really hard shot, I wouldn't hit it. Think about like a shot put, shot put versus a, I don't know, hammer throw. Yeah. A shot put is straight ahead motion, and you just can't get nearly as much speed or power on that compared to something that you're more throwing. And so That already if, has momentum, yeah. If I wanted to maximize my speed going straight forward, I would actually end up standing kind of almost next to the machine and coming at it with a sidearm motion. Yeah. And so in a lot of the same way, it's, it's similar to that, except for now, I don't do because I can already max out the speed with a straight shot, uh, but it does help to be able to palm the ball kind of sidearm-ish out to one for me. Some some might do it, some might not. Yeah, so as, as you're talking about getting this additional distance, you know, the 10, 15, maybe even 20 or 30 yards, and you might be hitting a ramp, that might get you over a hill to bring you closer in. How does this revert back to saving strokes? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a decent amount of holes, and maybe even, I'd say, almost less holes since they put in the round tee boxes three or four months ago, where getting that 10 or 15 extra yards would really help. So I'm yes. thinking of Rhineland hole one. That's a good example. Huge. Of, especially because there's a little bit of downslope by the green. Uh, getting 10 extra yards on that hole could definitely help. That could get you be, on the green. Yeah, be the difference putt. between a putt and a chip. Absolutely. I mean, and we actually saw that in the match, uh, the Mouth versus Haas match. Yeah, the Mouth finals. got on and Haas didn't. Yeah, Mouth dang near drove it over. Yeah. M-D-I-O. Yeah, well, he always almost drives it over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of holes like that. Um, hole one on Mayfield, right? Sometimes it's yeah. pretty short, you know, 330, 340 yards, but sometimes it can be up to 390 yards, and you might need that extra 10 yards from a spinny compared to a non-spinny. And so that's the way you're saving strokes with this. Also, impress your friends. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> they're they're going to look at you crazy the first time you do it, but but then they're, you're going to be 20 yards past them, and they're going to say, what did you do there? 20 yards past someone? So if, they're gonna if anyone's like, listening to this... They need to send this information. They need to forward this link to Paul Luna. Oh yes, because Paul Luna. We're talking about A ones and C threes, and we've got some elevation changes this year. I mean, he could even go back and play some classic courses, but still sitting at four hundred and sixty-seven yards. These spinny A ones and C threes. This can take his game to the next level, mm-hmm. and he and he's a tournament champion. He's one of the best players. In I don't the world. know that I want to make Paul Luna better. I, I I know, but those those long drives they could be the difference between him staying in the fairway and if he figures out an A one or a spinny C three, he could be going long in the water. You might be saving strokes by him gaining knowledge. That's that, pretty that powerful. That's some next level stuff right there. Yeah. So so forward this on to Paul Luna. Tag him in this. We'll have this posted on Golden Tee Fan. Uh, but Luna, I, I know you can do it over over four seventy, maybe four eighty. Uh, let's not cross our fingers just yet for 500 as you perfect this technique, but we know you got it in you. Yeah, we're all rooting for you, buddy. So, Tony, as we wrap up this week on Pearl Lagoon, uh, been a fun classic course of the week. I got to play it at the front end of the week a couple games today. Uh, yeah, fun, I, fun course. Yeah, actually, so I probably didn't give this course enough credit. Uh, I enjoyed it this week. Yeah, that was so, really fun. So last week... I thought I was going to really enjoy Grand Savannah, <laughs> and I hated it. This week, I thought I was gonna, not going to enjoy Pearl Lagoon, and I loved it. Yeah. So maybe I would, maybe I just don't know what I'm doing yeah, anymore. The, the brilliance of Jim Zielinski is coming through years later. Yeah, these tees make it a whole new ball game. Hashtag Black Hills. Bring back Black Hills. Yeah. I'm just saying. But anyway, so yeah, I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, I set a course record that lasted for about two hours. Because uh, it immediately was the end of the month, and so it went away. <laughs> yeah, you missed I, that window. I shot a 31. I hold out the last two. 31 with 11,000 GTP and 110,000 GSP. That, that sounds like you're three better on the daily for Rattlesnake today. Oh, speak of the devil. Yes, I did get a three better today yeah, on Rattlesnake. A- absolutely huge. Uh, but we're not going to make you wait any longer. Hopefully uh, you guys didn't skip straight to this segment. Uh, we're going to release this. Uh, Pearl Lagoon is shifting to... Indigo Mound. Yes, big fan. Now, I love this course, which probably means by a week from now, I'm going to hate this course. <laughs> but right now, I love this course. And, yeah, and there's on a the reason, face of it, there's, absolutely. There's a couple reasons I love it, because it's a, it's a way throwback, right? So one of the reasons I wasn't a huge fan of Pearl Lagoon as a classic course of the week is it wasn't all that classic. Yeah, it was hard. That'd be like calling uh, 
Justin Timberlake classic rock or something. Yeah, it, it was our most recent release in yep. terms of the retro courses for classic course of the week. So Indigo was from the second release of Golden Tee courses, Golden Tee Live courses. Yeah. And so uh, I, I tend to like those courses more. One other big reason I like this course is because of par can vary a lot. Yes. And I love courses where par can vary. Um, I think it just makes it more interesting. The other course that I think of when I think of par varying this much, Rustic Bridge. Correct. Again, another course that I love. Park can vary all over the place on that course. Uh, it could be, I think I had a 32 with minimal GSP once at the uh, from home. Uh, park can range on Indigo Mound anywhere from 27 to 30. And maybe, there's a couple holes that we'll talk about. In theory, uh, again, mouth drove it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 32. It could get to 32. There are two holes that are occasionally drivable it could be a 32 par. So when you say mouth drove it obviously, I know or there's been a lot of over Yeah, it. there's been a lot of definitions of it because MDIO. So mouth drove it over, mouth drove it on, mouth drove it obviously, and mouth drove it once. I mean, there's at least four Os that we can contribute to the mouth. If there are more, you know, feel free to feel free to post it. Or mouth dunked it in. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that doesn't work. That's two eyes. Dumped it. it, obviously. So the D, yeah, now the D is D. changing. Yeah. Wow. All right. So anyway, let's start talking about Indigo. Great uh, course, great course. Straight off the bat, we're starting with a hole where park can change. Yeah. So we've got, oh, before we even get started, we know how much, I know how much you guys love to hear me talk about tee boxes and yeah. how many tee boxes there are. Let's just get this out of the way right away. <laughs> Every single hole has three tee boxes. Ooh. Now I don't have to talk about it anymore. They all have three. And that was that was a very Jim Zielinski thing for uh, before he started to make really big tee boxes that he could put in different different parts. But in this section, three extremely consistent tee boxes, all square, right? So this this course in general, it's uh, lots of like pyramids. So it's like mm-hmm. Aztec room, geometric shapes, yeah, yeah. very geometric driven shapes. Um, and so hole one, three tee boxes. <laughs> From the front tee box, you can actually go straight at it. it from yeah. the front tee box, it can play as short as like 350 or 360 yards. S- semi-resembling Mayfield won this year. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be dead flat. You're going to take a dead line at it when you get that front box. Yep. And and maybe if you've got a hurting wind and you're in the back of that front box, it might be a, uh, might be a C3. Uh, but for the most part, you're going to be able to get on from the front box. In the middle box, unless you've got an extremely favorable wind, probably not drivable, but you can definitely get it up there for a short chip, and it's flat green. So that's always, yeah, you can do that spinny C3 uh, and get it way up there, get that 10 or, ex- 10 or 15 extra yards to make it even a shorter chip, maybe trickle on the front. Um, but it's a flat green, so it should be an easier chip than uh, if there was any sort of break on the green. Uh, now hole two. Again, another hole that changes par. Here we go. Three tee boxes. I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I, maybe I'm just going to talk about every hole. Three tee boxes. Uh, from the front box, you've got a couple options, kind of depending on the wind a little bit. You can go st- high tee, go straight at it. Uh, additionally, uh, depending on the wind, you, you might have to uh, you might have to hit a, a C3. You've got it, it, it's uh, as the crow flies. It's a shorter hole than hole one on the three tee boxes, but it's uphill, and yeah. so you've got to, you've got to make up a lot of elevation. So you can't uh, you're just not able to get quite as much distance from the middle box. You might, what we used to always have to do back before tees existed uh, was bounce it. You, yeah. So you'd bu- there's a big hill right in front of you, and you could kind of ramp it off that hill. So I can't say that I've really perfected that shot with the new equipment. Yeah, kind of a crapshoot. But it, in my mind, it's a, like a low T driver C3 that's going to kind of ramp up that hill and get up. You know, you'd probably be lucky to get on the green at that point, but you're going to get up near the green. Yeah. Uh, again, flat green, short chip, can't ask for any more than that. Correct. Um, now we got hole three, which is a par three, pretty pretty plain par three. Uh, usually plays anywhere from 140 to 180. Uh, square green, square yeah. tees. Um, yeah, li- little little bit of elevation change. I, I think it's slightly just either up. I believe. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've come up short on this when uh, I initially started playing, you know, first couple of years and getting into this with Indigo Mound. There were times where I was hitting a 5-iron, 6-iron, or a 5-hybrid, 6-hybrid. 
um, and slightly coming up short, even with a little headwind, I think that was de deceiving. So I I'm typically a thumber on par threes where I try to dial it in. And this is one where I realized I either need to club up a little bit and maybe hit backspin. Uh, but it, w it was kind of frustrating. This is a hole that actually uh, I, I would lose a stroke every once in a while on, on a pretty straightforward par three. Well, and it, it gets back a little bit to what we talked about last week with thumb shots, our saving strokes from last week, um, and hybrids versus irons. Yeah. And so hybrids are a lot more true to their distance. They get a lot higher, or not a lot, but a bit higher than their iron counterpart. So a five hybrid goes higher than a five iron. And so if you are thumbing it, and you've got a little bit of uphill, as we have here, mm -hmm. that, that hybrid is going to be a lot truer to its distance than an iron is going to be. Correct. But again, it's still uphill, so you might be uh, a little short unintentionally. Uh, hole four, we've got a par five. So this one is... Uh, it's it, it's it's kind of tough actually it's actually one of the i'm trying to think of all the par fives off the top of my head it can probably be the most difficult par five depending on setup for sure yeah and and so from the front you're going to end up hitting a c3 kind of around the corner it's almost like a double dog leg it yeah. gets out there about 300 yards dog legs to the left and then dog legs back to the right if you can kind of wrap it all the way around the corner with a c3 then you get a straight look at that green Otherwise, and especially from the back, you might not be able to accomplish that. Yeah, with an unfavorable win, you could potentially have a C3 off your tee shot and then have a variation of an A1 coming into it. Uh, there's a second set of bushes, second set of trees, and wind dependent, you, you can find yourself hitting two long cut shots into this, both probably with woods. The, the good news on this, and, and actually it's a lot like, uh, what is it, hole four, the par five on Pearl Lagoon this week. Right. Uh, unless you get your D tee shot way out there, you're probably going to have to hit some sort of A1 kind of around. On Correct. Pearl, it was a cliff. On this, it's some trees. Uh, but but similarly to Pearl this week, uh, it is a you're going to be hitting some sort of A1, but it's a left breaking green. So that helps things yeah. from getting too out of control. If you're hitting an A1 into a right breaking green, things you know get a big bounce. Things can get out of control. But it, it helps to kind of tamp down the spin that you might have on your on your A1. Yeah, and one of the things that can factor into this hole as well is potentially rain. You know, yeah, be, absolutely. Be, be, being an older course, as you are cutting the ball into there, it's going to play with your club distances on your screen. So if you show that you have 275 yards to the pin, which is typically going to give you a three-wood, it might show a driver because, in theory, the system says oh, you, you know, your driver with the rain is only going to go 281 yards. So yeah. rain is going to affect your club selector on the left-hand portion of the screen. So when it starts raining on a course, I don't look at the club selector that often, strictly just for my line. I'll look back over that distance to the hole and try to make my club selection based upon that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. The the two, two rounds I've played on this this week uh, – didn't have rain. Now, this is definitely a, a course that will have rain, but yeah. occasionally you get in a little sequence where there's not any rain. In this case, good point, there, this would be a course that, that can have rain. Uh, so hole five, a very short par four, uh, plays anywhere from 175 to 230 yards, depending on the tee box. From the closest two tee boxes, you're kind of near some bushes or some shrubbery. And before tees existed, you might be a little too close to those, and you'd have to it might be some sort of weird high, you know, seven iron or nine nine wood or something. Oh like that. yeah. With tees, it's a little bit easier because you can move the tee as far away from that that shrubbery as possible to ensure you're clear. Yep. Yeah. And and from there, it's going to be I don't some some people have different woods in their bag. I happen to usually have an eight wood in my bag. Some people are nine wood or a seven wood, uh, but usually a seven eight or a nine wood is going to, especially with a high tee and a little baby cut, is going to come in nice and soft into that green. Uh, and, and leave yourself a relatively makeable putt. Yeah, v very easy eagle hole. Once you get the, the slight adjustment of having not a full, obviously, C3, but maybe a little half and half, maybe a little one-third and one-third with that yep. high tee, your ball is going to land really soft. I think this green is typically, what, like a left four, yep. left and, five? And additionally, uh, you've got a little room for error because to the right of the green, as you're approaching it, there's a big hill. That it probably won't necessarily bounce you all the way down into the green, but it'll bounce you pretty close to it's the green. Gonna help, and it yeah. could bounce you on, depending on how, what kind of shot you hit. Uh, next, uh, next up, we got hole six, which is a par five. Uh, you've got a like a pyramid right in your way, and it used to be that you'd have to go, not have to, but in a lot of cases you'd end up going through. There's a little hole near the top of the pyramid. And that was like a a three wood was the right height for that. Yeah. No need for that anymore. I don't yeah. know why we used to do that. <laughs> Uh, because now, I can't remember the last time I went through that 
that gap. Not a chance. As, yeah. You know, as I play this course occasionally on invites and stuff, uh, from the front box, you've got a couple options. You could actually you can lay it lay it to the right distance, which I'm talking about in a second, or you could blast it way with a big A1 kind of around the corner, and you might have yourself like a five hybrid end. But for the most part, my goal here is to have 250 to 260 yards for my second shot. Yep. Because then I can hit six wood or five wood, depending on the wind, and go up over that pyramid. Now and you not know what, through the gap. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You can just go straight over it. Now you don't want to baby that, you and you don't want to cut it too much because you're going to lose some height when you do those things. Because the five wood specifically can be a little dicey whether it gets over. But if you if you're hitting a straight shot and you're hitting it firm, it's going to get over that. Yep. And so that's that's the shot that I'm hitting most of the time. It, it, Occasionally it, with the right setup, I might blast it long. It, it, and this is a very large green. So to Tony's point, when you and come it's flat. in, yeah, <laughs> which is very nice. Uh, so as you as you try lay up, most likely for that five six wood over it as opposed to through the gap. Uh, make sure you get it there. Tony's talking about hit it hard. Um, definitely better long than short because you have to make sure you clear it because if you don't clear it, Absolutely. you're going to be short of this pyramid. You're going to have to turn right probably five times, throw it out in the fairway. You're, you're going to lose probably two strokes, potentially yeah. three, uh, depending on the wind, depending on your placement with the trees because there are going to be trees to the right of that pyramid as well. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up, we got hole seven, which is a par three. Uh Relatively straightforward, kind of a straight look, but you've got you're hitting into a down five or down six green. You're going to be anywhere from kind of 150 to 200 yards or so. Uh, and the thing here is, normally if I see a down five or a down six green, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, I'm I'm going to hit bite and I'm going to let it kind of run down the hill at the hole, in a perfect world, because because I want those hole outs. Not here. Yeah. Safety first on this hole because right behind the green it rolls off quickly into the water. You don't want to give, a t- give away two strokes just to try to chase a hole. On an early par three, no. And so most of the time I'm playing so be safe. Maybe we should change that to Tony safe instead <laughs> of so be safe. Uh, but uh, so I'm hit. I'm playing it safe on this hole. And if you know, I, I still want a hole in one, but you know, you got to play safe, and you don't want to lose strokes early. Uh, next up, hole seven, or that was hole seven. Uh, hole hole eight, which is a par four. We're having technical difficulties with my phone here, but this. This actually used to be more difficult than it is now. Three tee boxes, go figure. Uh, but what from the front box, it's going to play as short as maybe 230 yards. And from the back box, it's going to play as long as 290 yards. And it used to be from that back box, you'd have to play like a driver and wrap it around the tree. And hope for a bounce down. Right. Yeah. And, but at this point, all of those are completely doable with high tees. <coughs> like, unless you've got just an absolute murder headwind from the very back... And you couldn't you couldn't get your three wood there, which I, I don't even know if this, that setup exists. Um, you're gonna hit a high tee up and over that tree that's right between you and the green. It didn't used yep. to be that you could get over that tree very easily, and so you'd have to go around it. And additionally, what makes it easy is you used to have to kind of bounce it on to the green. Well, that that hill that used to be there still there, and even if you land a little bit short of this green, it's gonna bounce down onto the green. Trickle onto it, correct. The one drawback to this hole, I would say, is the size of the green. So as we start getting into these earlier courses for classic course of the weeks, you're going to notice the green size is shrinking massively compared to the current year courses, uh, which makes it a fun challenge. And when you look at the size of them, you're definitely going to notice this. But Indigo is such a great course where it's challenging. You do have that opportunity to shoot a low number on this course, but the sizes of these greens are so small sometimes where... It takes an immaculate shot to get an eagle. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, indigo, it varies quite a bit. I, we just talked about how big the green was on that flat, with the flat green on the par five. Mm-hmm. And it is big. And actually, Absolutely ninth hole has a green, big green too. But I think Jim did a really good job of varying the green sizes here mm-hmm. and making them small when they needed to be small and big when it, when it made sense for them. Yeah, the, the risk reward aspect for sure. Yep. So uh, on to hole nine, finishing out the front nine. It uh, finishes with a Ooh, par five. This one always. Ooh, uh, toughy for me. Toughy for me. Again, much much like a lot of holes, this has gotten easier with tees. Correct. Uh, from the front box, for sure, every time it's a big A one, kind of a rock. There's two two pyramids on this hole, and a uh, and a a bunker. That looks like a hurricane or a swir- It's a swirl bunker. It's a sea serpent. <laughs> <laughs> but from the front box, I'm hitting a big A one around that first pyramid, and I'm and I'm likely getting up into the the far fairway. Yeah. Uh, from the middle box, it probably is a little bit wind dependent. I'm probably still going to hit an A1, but it, it's not going to be nearly the, as easy of a second shot. 
Uh, but from the back box, unless there's a massive wind at your tail, you're going to have to put it in the middle of the hurricane. Oh. The eye of the hurricane. Oh, beautiful. And and it can be tough. I mean, it's a small little island. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, accuracy shots that we have over the – I can think of Grand Savannah, the strip on hole 13, that par 5. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like they've gotten easier as our skill level has increased over the years. I would agree. But, uh, and especially with bite and, and roll and stuff like that. But I, I feel like this little island is a little bit easier to hit than I used to think it was. But it's still, it's a Correct. pretty small island. And if you don't get on that island and you end up in the sand, you're not getting on the green. Correct. And so in order to get to the green on your second shot, you're going to have to get in that little, the eye of the hurricane. So, uh, so good luck on that one. Again, a big green, but it's flat. So I feel like all the... All of the uh, big greens ended up being flat, but all the small greens end up having some break on them, which yeah. is actually counterintuitive. Uh, hole 10. This is one of the holes I referenced earlier where par can shift only very occasionally. I remember we had, we had a daily set up on this, I don't know, it had to be like almost a year ago, and it was borderline drivable, but it's pretty risky. Yes. Uh, in, in the case of a daily where you can repeat the same shot and over and over and over, you kind of say, okay, yes, if I hit a big full A1 in this case, then it, it's safe. But if I'm just playing a blind game on this, unless I'm off par and I'm just kind of going for it, uh, I'm probably not going to be trying to drive the screen. Because, again, you almost need a perfect setup. It's a 1 out of 100 or 1 out of yeah, you know, it, 50 type of setup. Uh, technically, you know, I've been on the screen, but for the most part, it's it's a layup into the layup into the fairway, which is uphill, so make sure you get enough distance mm-hmm. there, uh, and then your second shot into the green. Most of the time, it's a pretty normal par 4. Yeah, next up, we're going to move on to hole 11 here. Uh, another par 4 coming into play. Uh, this one I used to always struggle with, too. Uh, you're going to hit a little variation of a form of a C3. Uh, I-, I don't know if you've ever drove this, Tony Johnson, or got up close. I think I've been in the bunker short before where you can send in a little Minnesota missile or a sand sniper. Um, but, yeah, yeah a-, a little C3 off the tee here. Yeah, and, and I in in bold letters for my notes here, or maybe not bold, I wasn't quite that, that strong, Invisileaves. Yes. This, this tree just to the left as you're kind of facing the green, it's up maybe 100 yards or so. Uh, it's got some sneaky Invisileaves. And so we talk about, uh, in, I don't know that we've ever specifically described Invisileaves. I, I think it's on a Saving Strokes episode coming up. Don't hit Invisileaves? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. that, that, well, well you, you just ruined it. So, yeah. so that's part two of Saving Strokes for this week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I haven't been on the screen, but again, I've probably been in that bunker before, uh, just short of the green. For the most part, it's going to be some sort of C3 wrapped around that Invisileaf tree and into the fairway. And then from there, you're going to have a pretty uphill shot. Um, and so make sure you get enough club. And actually, so backspin, when I when I have a severe up, uphill shot, um, even though this green is going to be like up six from there, normally that might be a little bit scary for backspin. But since it's so far uphill, the backspin's not going to affect it quite as much. It's not it'll, as it'll, it'll just kind of yeah. pull it down the hill instead of ripping down the hill. Uh, hole 12 is a par 3, and it's very much like hole 3. Um, it, it is that square green. Uh, this one's a little bit downhill as opposed yeah. to hole 3, which is a little bit uphill. And the winds are kicking in at this point. Winds are up a little bit. So it's probably the only reason it's any more difficult than hole 3. Yeah. Is a little bit higher winds. This one is breaks to the right instead of breaking to the left. <laughs> we th- threw a wrench in there, yeah. Mr. Jim. Gotcha. <laughs> you thought this was hole 3. Mix up Monday, I might be I might just lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like which one is it? Uh, but anyway, this one if anything can maybe play a little bit longer than hole 3, but for the most most part, it's kind of the same hole. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got hole 13, which is the which is a hole that can make it a 30 par. I would say this is drivable one out of three, one out of four, kind of. Uh, yeah. And it's a it's a from the front box it can play like 360, um, and the middle box the middle box is where it gets iffy in terms of whether it's drivable because 350 it might be risky, but I always feel like I can drive a hole. This green this green has a severe slope to it. So it's, it's that leads gonna, down to water. That leads down to water, and will bounce down into the water. Um, but from from 350 or 360, I feel like I can always get to the green. Yeah, it's a good sized green as well. Yep. And but from the middle box, you're probably going to need a tailwind, and it's going to be a little bit iffy whether you can get there or not. And invisible leaves again. 
Yes, there's some damn Invisaleafs <laughs> on this hole. Uh, that the last tree right on the corner as you're wrapping your C3 around, it's got some damn Invisaleafs. And so you don't want to hit those, saving strokes. Yeah, otherwise, if it's the back box, uh, you're going to look down. There's kind of a little gully washout. Um, obviously, yep. it's fairway. It's going to play clean. It's going to give you a clean approach where you're going to have all your rolls, your backspins in play. Um, but there are definitely times where you're going to have to throw it down into this kind of little gully at the base of the Invisitree, but down in the fairway, and just have a nice little mid-range iron coming into the screen. Yeah, if, if, if possible, you want to get over that gully. Right. From the from the middle box, if you're not going for the green, you should be able to get over that gully, no problem, and be kind of on the same level as the green itself. From the back box, probably not quite as possible. Unless you've got a tailwind from the back box, you're not going to be able to clear that gully. Because ideally, yeah. you want to clear that gully, and then you're at the same level as the green. Otherwise, if yeah. you're down in there, it's going to be, you know, maybe... You've got elevation, you've lot got of wind, you've got Huge break back. on the green. Yeah. And so, it, from, from down in the valley, that can be a bit of a tricky shot. Uh, next up, hole 14, which is a par 5. Uh, in my mind, I do the same thing every time on this hole. I go to the, the, the it's a big dog leg to the left, and so the temptation is, well, if I wrap a big C3 around, I can play a really short second shot. Well, yeah, if you want to, mm -hmm. but it's, there's no real benefit. So I'm always going to the end of the first fairway. And from there, you've got like 240 to 260 yards. Perfect. Yep. I mean, now, nowadays where I've got a 6-wood, a 5-wood, and a 4-wood, I'm always going to have a clear. You're going to have your distance. And, it, and there's no risk in that shot. It plays a little bit uphill, so you want to make sure you get it, get enough uh, juice on it. Uh, into a, like a down four, down five green, something like that. What, what type of juice? Gervais juice? I saw, I saw that on the stream this weekend. They were talking about having some Gervais juice in, uh, in Indianapolis. So. And, and Mouth tried to, I saw on the stream, Mouth tried to uh, start a little controversy. Uh, Haas, yeah. Haas rubbed his face. Perhaps in frustration, yeah. or perhaps, um, maybe, I'm not going to speculate necessarily, to lube up the ball a little bit. Ooh. Mouth called him out on it and from the stream. Yeah, tried to shift the dynamic there. Yeah, so we got, we got the things from the Indianapolis uh, tournament going on, uh, talking about potential nose grease, face grease. Maybe it was just perspiration. I mean, we're, we're talking about the finals here. Or he just happened to touch his face. Yeah. Maybe. In, in Who's to say? Yeah. Maybe he hasn't shaved in three days. Got a little, got a little whisker stubble, that's poking yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, hole, uh, next hole, we got hole 15. Uh, three tee boxes, of course. Wait, and, three tee boxes? Yeah. But Jim also, trying to sneak one by us here with three. But I will say, this also has three greens. Yes. Oh, we got a lot oh of gosh. lot of variability on this hole. It Ooh. can play. It can play anywhere down to like 220 yards. Up to 290 or so. Uh, you've got a big pyramid right in the middle, and there's a green on the left of it, and a green on the right of it, and a green short of it. I always thought, why didn't he put a green on, on the backside? It would have oh, made a really interesting hole. That, that, that could be a design hole. Maybe there's a fissure that comes through this year, and all of a sudden there's, there's a fourth green. There's been yes. moss growing where, where you know. The archaeologists yeah. dug up the. Long lost fourth green. We're, we're in the jungle. Yes, granted, it's been a while, but oh my gosh, that those greens can can grow fast. There could potentially be a fourth green one day. Yes, maybe. Yeah. So this hole with the three greens uh, over to the left, over to the right. I personally, obviously, the short center green that typically is just a lofted wood, getting a nice little yep. loft under there. Uh, if you if you, and you even to, have a backstop on that too. Like, yeah. Even if, you can't even go long if you want to. Yeah. You've got the, the pyramid right behind it and it's going to bounce down onto the green. So left and right, uh, you get more obstacles in your way. Left, you have water short. Uh, if you go long, you're going down a hill. Um, but you're going to look at it at, at a long wood here, most likely a three wood, a 290 driver, or potentially a 300 driver, uh, just depending on whether you're a thumber, you're a palmer, but the obviously recommendation is going to be to palm this shot. Yeah, and it's going to be a little bit uphill too. So yep. that's a, usually if I'm up playing uphill, a palm shot is going to be a little bit safer. It's going to yeah. be a little bit higher. Yeah, and your, and your spin, once that hits the green, is going to snap. It's going to make it stick quicker as well. Yep. Uh, next up, hole 16. This is the other one that can very, that can occasionally... Uh, change par. Uh, in my warm-up round, when I was taking notes this morning, it was drivable. Oh! I did not get it on the green, but it was drivable. Oh! Uh, and so th this was never even something that was in the cards before. But now with tees, uh, you can turn and go straight at this green. So in my case, I had the, the front box of three, and it was a 11 tailwind, and I hit a 290 driver. And I, I missed my line a little bit, but... Uh, but I would have. It would have been on the green. 
So now as a homeowner, if you drove that green, would you have any recommendations to the IT development team? Because I would have loved to have seen a YouTube of that. But, but you're a homeowner, unfortunately. Yes, I, and as a homeowner, I'm not allowed, legally, perhaps, <laughs> to, uh, to, YouTube, to send last shot to YouTube. If mm. I would have hole-in-one'd it, I can send that to YouTube. Oh, goodness. But I, but I can't, let, let's just say I happen to have a drive, a long drive, mm-hmm. doing like mm, 468 or so. Oh, right and, over and, Luna. So you beat I, Luna by a and yard. And I wanted to send that to YouTube, but it was at home. No dice. They, they won't even accept my 50 cents. You're trying to pay them, and they won't take it. I know. And, wow. it's a, and maybe, you know, there's probably some programming. This feature doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh, wait. I can do that at the bar, <laughs> but I can't do that at home. So Shout out to Don. Let's make this feature happen. Yeah. Let me pay you 50 cents every time I want to do it, we're, Don. We're, we're trying to have fun with this. Obviously, as they continue to sell home editions of machines, I mean, the home edition group is growing larger and larger by the day. Yep. I continually see this on Facebook. I, I think this is an option I'm, I'm really going to fight for. Um, where homeowners need to be able to send shots to YouTube. I think it's a great feature. Uh, I do recall, I want to say it was... Uh, Danny Bell, back in the day, Danny Boy Beal, I think he actually drove this once and had a cell phone recording, posted a screenshot. I can't recall what it was. I think he actually put it in back in the day for double eagle on yeah, this whole I believe it. N- yeah, n- I mean, not even mouth. I-, I think it was the optimum, perfect, once-in-a-lifetime set, and he got it. M-D-D-I-O. No, wait. <laughs> yeah. D-B-D-I-O. Yeah. Danny Boy drove. Yeah, there we go. Got it. Those initials can be troublesome sometimes. But anyway, so let's assume you can't drive this hole. What would you Mm -hmm. do? It used to be that there's a pyramid way off to the left, um, and there's a fairway on top of that pyramid, and we used to go there all the time. That That was was a standard play the majority of the time. Yeah, a four-wood or a a three-wood, and then from there it's another four-wood or a three-wood in, and you're roughly on the same level as the pyramid that you're going to be hitting to, uh, which was helpful. Uh, At this point, I can't say that I go over there anymore. Uh, I'm usually hitting a big A1-type shot, which leaves me with like a nine iron in. And yep. so, uh, especially with tees, because it used to be that if you couldn't get far enough with your A1, then you'd, then you'd kind of go back down a hill and you were kind of screwed once you trickled back down a hill. Probably and, losing a stroke, hitting into an elevated Yeah, grade. way, way elevated at that point. And we didn't, I mean, even with an eight wood, I'm not even sure what, if that would work back then. But. So anyway, that's the, par, that's the par five. Again, occasionally drivable. I'm sure we'll see some YouTubes. When I'm, when I'm not playing at home, <laughs> and I, when I drive it this week, I will make sure to spend the 50 cents. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And get that YouTube. Uh, the second to last hole, hole 17, is a par 3, as it very often is. Uh, this one, we talk about elevation again. A uh, little bit uphill, very deceptive yep. on this hole. Uh, this one can play anywhere from like 160 to 250. Uh, it's an up 10 green. But again, because it's uphill, that up 10 is not going to be quite as fierce as if if it was downhill and or flat. And so I still find myself playing backspin on this hole a lot. Maybe bite too. Yeah. Um, but again, it, for, a, for a long-ish par three with a big slope on the green, it's not so bad. And actually you've got some sideboards too. On the right-hand side of the green and the left-hand side of the green, you've got hills that, are gonna, that would bounce you down onto the green. Yeah, for a late-in-the-game par three, this, this being an earlier version, obviously 2007 courses, and we've grown more accustomed to having, you know, difficult closing holes to last three, four, five holes of round. I feel that this isn't that bad, especially with your build-a-bags, as you have an eight-wood or whatnot mm-hmm. going to the screen. You have the advent of tees, to Tony's point of having slopes and side backboards leading into this. Because you have water short, you have water long, but this green is a very generous green in terms of its size for being this late in a round. Yeah, and, and I think back in the day, I don't remember what club set I typically used. Probably the Hawks. That was kind of my yeah, that was the, the hybrid set. Um, so, so that would not have had, it would have had a, a five wood, and then two hybrid, three hybrid, four hybrid, five hybrid. No eight wood, seven wood, six wood, or any, anything like that. So, th- you know, I could imagine coming into this with a three three hybrid would have been a lot more difficult shot Definitely. Than, than nowadays where I've got a six wood or an eight wood. Yeah, it and back then you basically just had the backspin option or a naked shot. So this this could have been a lot more difficult. So you, you guys should be able to have a great week on this hole for a hole 17 late in the round. Uh, birdie's obviously the expectation here. Yep. So uh, finishing it out, hole 18. Actually a pretty difficult hole 18 for uh, courses back in the day. Uh, it's going to play, depending on the tee boxes, anywhere from 240 to, say, 300 yards. 
your winds are going to be up pretty high at this point. Yeah. So you're, you know, 12 to 15 miles per hour. Uh, you got a, a smallish green. It's not huge. It's not super tiny either, like hole uh, eight, but uh, it's right for, right ten. Yeah. And so. And this is notorious for rollovers. Yes, this is a rollover <laughs> type of hole, and and in some cases the rollover might end up putting you in the water, which is ultimately double double frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like as we've gotten a lot more used to hitting you know c3s not like full c3s but half cut c3s uh i feel like a lot of us players were not that good at them back you know back when this courses originally came out and now we have to hit them so often that i feel like we've gotten pretty used to them and this hole is not nearly as difficult as it used to be i wouldn't say tees even necessarily have helped us on this Uh, having more options in your bag a a six wood a five wood a four wood a three wood all those options help out Uh, but you're not ever really using tees on this hole so you're not getting the benefit there so, yeah, but it's a tough, tough closing hole. You know, it's never easy to hit a, a wood into a right ten green, especially with a big wind. Yeah. So to Tony's point, you're going to hit a variation of a C three, maybe a little half and half or whatnot. You have water short, uh, you have water right, and I believe you have some water long. You are going to have a pyramid on the left hand side of the green, which when you're talking about hitting a C three, might actually help you because as you're over shaping it, if you do over hit it or over pull back and you get too much hook, you can actually get a little bit of a bank and a backboard. And that's going to lead into a down 10 putt right there where you yep. can actually putt out of the rough here. Yeah, and you've got a little, in between that pyramid and the green, there's a little, there's some rough there. Yeah, that um, can stop And it's almost there. a little bit of a bailout zone if you need to. Yep. So, uh, anyway, I'm super excited for the course this week. Indigo Mound has always been one of my favorites. Uh, so, I will, 12.01 tonight. No, actually, I already <laughs> said, Will might not have noticed, but I sent Will an invite. Oh, really? I actually wanted you to, I, I meant to tell you to play it before we had this podcast, because we could have done the thing that we did a couple weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. It was goodness. super fun to yeah, talk trash. I've, I've been on vacation. I mean, I didn't know about the Richard King Travel Agency jumping on board the bandwagon here on the PGMB podcast. I didn't get the invite, unfortunately. I uh, pulled up the uh, FAG Find a Game while I was on vacation. Closest Golden Team Machine was 36 miles away. Uh, that wasn't going to happen with family and friends, unfortunately. Uh, but but I think this classic course of the week is going to be fantastic. Indigo Mound. Yep. All right. So uh, we'll wrap up here. Big thanks to our sponsor, Richard King Travel Agency. Huge. And, Tony, I apologize. I uh, just think I accidentally cut us off with some technical difficulties. Yeah. You, you, you were talking about where we're going with recent yeah, tournaments. Yeah, I, I think we up. were just getting to the recent tournaments, and then we're wrapping up the podcast. Uh, so we've got Cincinnati, which is uh, the August 23rd through 26th. That's a Power Events uh, tour stop. Yeah, James Third Base. They uh, talked about that in James Third Base. you know why it's called James Third Base? No, tell because me. Because it's your last stop before home. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very creative. But you know who's not going to be in Cincinnati? Who? Recent Indianapolis champion, Andy Haas. Ooh. Opportunity is calling, gentlemen. He's seeding his state championship, apparently. I don't know if he won it last year or not. Uh, He will not be in Cincinnati. Wow. uh, Family family requirements or whatever. Everybody has those. The obligations. Uh, Steve Sobel likes to let everybody know that Andy Haas will not be there. But there will be plenty of other extremely accomplished players. Uh, to take Andy's place and his title. Uh, so beyond that, we've got the the couple days right after the new courses are released. So they said they one of the announcements they did make this week in Adam Kramer's stead was uh, was the official ship date, which we already kind of knew, Monday, September twenty fourth. So if, you're, if your vendor, as they should, gets them overnighted, the because the option. overnight is not that expensive, and they will make far more the two days that they had the two days sooner that they have those courses uh they should get them overnighted so assuming you get overnighted you will have them that tuesday and that saturday is a one-day tournament in wisconsin a handicap tournament yeah 80 percent handicap so i know we talk a lot about going to tournaments and you might be a little nervous or whatnot but having this handicap factor playing and 80% handicap, uh, the Wisconsin guys, always fantastic. They traveled well this weekend. I know Dave Sandmeyer, Brian Roski, Painter Jim, some of the Wisconsin guys were out at the Indy Tournament, uh, centrally located, obviously, in the United States. Uh, it's close to Chicago. Book with Richard King Travel Agency. Uh, make sure to book a day or two early in case of any expected delay, and unexpected slash expected delays. Uh, yes. But... Rack up those frequent flyer miles and come to this. It's going to be in Sullivan, Wisconsin. 
Uh, yes, and then the weekend right after that is a long-running tournament. Again, it's a Power Events tour stop in Richmond. So it's the it's the Thursday through Sunday after that Wisconsin tournament. Uh, you get a lot of East Coasters at that tournament. You know, that's yeah. a, uh, it, it's on the East Coast. A lot of our a lot of the tournaments are in the Central U.S., but this one's on the East. And Jeff Allums, aka Richmond Jeff, has been yeah. putting on this tournament for I think this is the 16th year. Longest Six. running by far, yeah. And it was originally, I think I've said this before, it was originally called the NIV, Richmond NIV, and it was for all the players that did not make Vegas, which was not the national, in Vegas, aka yeah. not in Vegas, the NIV. Uh, stopped calling it that, uh, but now, so now it's just the Richmond uh, Power Event Stop. Uh, has it at the Baja Bean, which is a, he's had it every one of the tournaments there. It's a owner, I assume, I guess, of that establishment. Uh, so great tournament, great tur- great job of hosting it by uh, Jeff, and uh, I would encourage anyone possible to go to that. I yeah. would be trying my very best to get to that. I've talked about it before. I haven't. I've only been there once. It's been a long time. Seems like I'm traveling every year on that weekend, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to get out there this year. So I uh, hope to see you at some tournaments coming up. Will, I know you're going to try to make that Wisconsin one. I'm going to try to represent. We'll see if I can get there or not, but uh, for sure I'm going to try to get to Richmond. And uh, good luck to, out there on Indigo Mountain this week. Yeah. Talk to you next week, guys. Yeah, look forward to seeing you guys on Leaderboard. Thanks for listening to the podcast on the Podmore Get Better podcast. Please make sure to like us, follow us, and share this with your friends who are also playing Golden Tee. Take care.